Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sherlock. Sherlisten, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sherlock, Sherlisten. Sherlock, Sherlisten. Sherlock, Sherlisten. Sherlock, Sherlisten. Sherlock. Sherlisten. Sherlock, Sherlisten. Sherlock, Sherlisten. Oh, very good, Benjamin. We've got a busy week this week because there's been a load of trailers, including a couple of weird ones. But sure, look, we'll talk about them in a minute. First, I'm going to list them. Ben, you ready? Yeah, I'm, I'm Don't talk to me a bit, Ben. Don't talk to oh, me. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We're going to look at the trailer for White Dragon, starring Jason David Frank in his last ever film. Also, the first trailer for Gen V, the weird and open brackets, unnecessary, close brackets, the boys spin-off from Amazon. <laughs> and you've put up a trailer for what you've written as Castlevania Nocturne, which yeah. I don't think is what it's called, but it's close enough. And just before going to air, Marvel released a trailer for Loki Season 2. How exciting. Yeah. Further to that, Ben, I've seen all of Secret Invasion. Oh, God. <laughs> I've forgotten most of it, though, so the grand will be a very quick review. Very, very good. You listen, Michael, if that wasn't enough. Michael! What? Michael! What? It's been a great week for cinema. A great day for the parish. Great day for the parish altogether. Now, Barbenheimer is away at the races, and it's making everybody lots of money. So, for the next three years, we can expect an awful lot of plastic doll movies and nuclear explosion movies. Those are oh, those are going to be so good. in right now. Mm. We're going to get Oppenheimer 2 in space. Oh, yeah. um, and we're going to get Polly Pocket, uh, which is not a bit. That's actually been greenlit. Polly Pocket starring uh, Lily Collins and possibly directed by Lena Dunham. Oh, very clever. That's exactly like the Barbie movie. The only problem with that is I think Lily Collins is normal sized. Yeah, they'll have to shrink her down. But anyway, we decided to take a look at other moments in cinema history where... (laughs) That really made me laugh, Ben. The matter of factness with which you said they'll have to shrink her down. You really just broke me there. You completely broke through my podcasting facade. I actually turned away from the mic to stifle a laugh. I forgot that we're allowed to laugh. That was so funny. Fabulous work, Ben. 10 out of 10 podcasting, Uh, I must say. uh, I'd say you can probably uh, tune out here, ladies and gents, because that's probably peaked. Probably peaked. (laughs) They'll have to shrink her down, he says. Ben, speaking of 10 out of 10 fabulous podcasting, wouldn't it be great if anyone were listening, if they were to hop up on their podcast provider of choice and give us an L five-star review? Our mates, Ben, over at the Retro Gaming Ireland, no, that's Retro Gamer Ireland, that's Nisha, the Press Any Button podcast, they've got literally tens of hundreds of five-star reviews, Ben. Oh, why can't we get any of those, Michael? Because we never ask people, so we're going to. Oh, please give us some reviews, please. It's very good for helping other people to find the podcast. So if you think that other people would be as amused by me being that amused by Ben saying, they'll have to drink shrink her down, Mick, then give us an L5 star review. This is one of the worst promos I've ever done, Ben. But give us an L5 star review. Just do it. On your, just, on just your podcast it. app of choice, or else Ben will come and he'll just shrink you down. 
I'll shrink you down like Polly Pocket and Lily Collins. Uh, come here to me, Michael. There's a thing here that made me very worried when I saw it on our, our joint notion. And you oh, wrote down white white rise of the white dragon, and I went, oh no, Mick's gone to the Aryan side of things. Oh no. Oh, I forgot the white dragon was an Aryan thing, Ben. But it's not yeah. about the Aryan race. It's about Jason David Frank. It could be about the Aryan race. We don't know. <laughs> it could be. I suppose we haven't seen it. We don't know. Uh, Michael, this is, a, this is a fan Power Rangers film. You say that, Ben. But what is makes it a fan Power Rangers film? The fact that it says in the YouTube description of the video, a full feature length fan Power Rangers film. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, all right. Well, I can't yeah. argue that point, can I? No, not really, because it's written, you see, on YouTube. And if there's one thing the internet has taught us, it's that whatever's on the internet is true. Yeah, especially YouTube. Benjamin, this is from the group Bat in the Sun. You're familiar with them. I'm not. No, Are you not? To, you're going to have to fill me in there. Huge, huge, huge on the internet 10 years ago-ish, Ben. Oh, yeah. For their web series, Super Power Beatdown. Oh, I remember that. Remember that, Ben? Who would win the fight between Batman and Darth Vader? Probably Darth Vader. Who'd win the fight between Wonder Woman and Wolverine? Probably Wonder Woman. Yeah, who'd win the fight between, I don't know, Optimus Prime and Iron Man? Probably, I'm going to be controversial here, Iron Man. You reckon? He'd use a techno virus, he'd get him. No, he'd get him, he'd get him, and Optimus Prime wouldn't know what hit him, Ben. But what about Optimus Prime's tens of millions of years of combat experience? Ah, sure, Michael, he's a big lumbering fella. He is no match for a Jarvis. Get Paul Bettany in there. Get Paul Bethany right up in him. But Benjamin, that's not important because the people behind that are the ones who've made this and they obviously formed a link oh, um, very good. With, with Jason David Frank when he was doing their their superpower beatdown Power Rangers episodes. Because there was a re- few of them, weren't there? There were. They did a Ryu versus Power Rangers one and they did others. And they did others, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, Michael, this looks to be... Is it, so I think it is based on Jason David Frank's original character, isn't it? I don't know. I don't. Does he not think say so. the name of the character? No, the, the character's name is Tommy. Oh, okay. He doesn't say uh, that then. No, they don't say that. So I don't think they're using the names of Power Rangers characters. I think it's just a vaguely Power Ranger esque universe. Oh, I don't know if that's what I want to watch. But I mean, how else are they going to get it made? Well, here's a question for you. How how did they get it made? Jason David Frank has sadly shuffled off his mortal coil. Well, uh, well, I assume what's happened there if they've made it before he died. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, Ben, the SAG-AFRA strike would also have prevented them making it. No, Michael, because famously, Power Rangers actors are non-union actors. Yes, but Benjamin, Michael Madsen is in this. Is he? Michael Madsen is in it. How? I don't know. How'd they get him? <laughs> They've got, got fella mo- that fella off the John Wicks, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um Oh my god, I've forgotten his name. Mark Kaskaros Carcassos? Caracas? I couldn't yeah, tell yeah, you. him anyway, yeah, yeah. He huge action star. Huge. Man. Huge action star. Michael Madsen is in it. Yeah. Now Mad. Michael Madsen doesn't have the most discerning taste of appearing in films. He doesn't. Anything he's been in that's been good has been mostly by accident. Yes, completely. As as they say, even a broke clock is right twice a day. Yeah, even though it has no money. They've got a kind of cut-rate Gina Garano. 
Yeah, I saw that. Very interesting. I was looking at it going, is that Gina Garano or is that cut right Gina Garano? It's not Gina Garano. It's someone they get to stand in for Gina Garano on set. Yeah, occasionally. yeah, yeah, yeah. When Gina Garano needs to go off and do a racist rant. Probably ben, a non-union actress. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I reckon this is, I don't think Gina Garano is a racist, by the way. That was a joke, just as a little disclaimer. Um, ben. Yeah. I imagine most of the people in this, if Michael Madsen in it, he's definitely sag I think most of them probably are union actors. That's it's quite a turn for the books. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I mean, this is, there, there's something a little bit ghoulish about it, isn't there? Uh, it, it seems a bit sinister, Michael. I don't, I don't know if I, uh, I think there's going to be some dodgy Jason David Frank CGI in there. I think the reason this has taken so long is because quite a large part of the movie maybe wasn't finished. Mm. Mm. And they filmed a lot of scenes from the back of his head. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of strange added dialogue out of out of picture. No moving mouths. Thank you very much. Mm. Mm. There's going to be a lot of... Um, which Bruce Lee film was it that was made after he died? Oh, I can't remember. Enter the Dragon? Post-Bruce. No. Post-Bruce Lee. There's going to be a lot of that. Yeah, and I mean, the fact that this is getting a big release, this would have been straight to the web. If Jason David Frank hadn't died. Yes, and probably maybe should have been straight to the web. Well, we'll never know, because the chances are we're going to instantly forget to watch it as soon as yeah, this ends. That seems to be the track record of our year so far, Michael. Oh, this looks great. Nah. 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 Just, watch that. just don't watching think. reruns of Fringe. Yeah, I don't, don't feel like watching that. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Michael. Four of what? Speaking of things that are going to be a questionable watch. Yes. We got a trailer for Gen V. Yeah. Mm. So this is the college freshman spin-off of The Boys. Yeah. It's it. So this is interesting. This this follows on from a direct storyline in the awful Boys comic. No time for it. Don't read it. Just don't do it. Every do time it. it comes up, ladies and gentlemen, we turn around and tell you flat out, don't do it. So mean, very unpleasant. Very unpleasant. Just, you'll you'll want several showers afterwards and probably a good heaping dose of bleach. It's mm. not a fun time. Don't read it. But there's a an arc in that around the Godkin School, Michael, or the Godolkin School. It depends yeah, Godolkin, on, yeah. Yeah, the Godolkin School. And it's their version of Professor Xavier off the X-Men's. Ah, I see. Yeah. So this is what Gen V is, as opposed to X-Men, it's Gen V, and then yeah. after the drug, obviously, Generation yeah. V, Generation yeah, X, yeah. so on and so forth. Jubilee. Lots of overlaps there. Yeah, And uh, it looks to have some of our favourite characters in there. There's a few cameos popping up. Oh, were there? Yeah, there was the Congresswoman. Oh, our, not our personal favourite characters. No, 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 no. From, from the boys. Oh, right, okay. From the boys. So it looks to be tied in in some way, Michael. We did get a taste of this already, Michael. We got a little glimpse into this in the the boys animated uh, anthology that came out on Amazon Prime. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, we both watched it. I can't remember what it was called. Something Carnage or Mayhem. One of those words was in there somewhere. The but boys, blood knuckles. 
Yeah, that sounds about right. I'll, I'll, I'll happily accept that as the title. So that's a very good anthology on Amazon Prime that we definitely remember, Michael, the boys, Blood Knuckles. And yeah, in that we got a little glimpse into what happens to young people that flop out of the Gen V program. Oh, yeah, they, they were in a garage and they all got killed. Yeah, they don't get an actionable power. That was written by now noted ghoul, bloody Justin Ryland. <laughs> oh, was it? Of course it was. Yeah. No, Ben, I think um, innocent of ghoulism. Oh, well, anyway, anyway, we'll get well, into that another time on the podcast, Michael. Yeah, we'll get into trial by internet another time. Ben. Yes. Whereas The Boys seems to be a pastiche of superhero movies and big Amazon culture. Yes. This seems to be a pastiche of progressive college politics and safe spaces. I think it's a little bit of a pastiche of that. I think it's a little bit of a pastiche of TV series that were very popular when I was a teenager. The the One Tree Hills, the OCs, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that kind of gig. I think it's a little bit of a play on the sexy CWification of things like Archie and things like Sabrina. I think it's yeah, probably yeah, a, a yeah. little bit of a, a taking a shot at that. We're going to get some sexy superheroes undercut by immensely graphic violence, Michael. Like that man who gets punched right through the mouth. I will never be able to unsee that, Michael. It's, it goes the wrong way through the mouth, even. What a jarring shot. <laughs> yeah. On that what man, a yeah. jarring, upsetting shot. Mm, fabulous. Jesus. Fabulous I, stuff. I don't like this genre. Of? I, I don't watch here's pretty people going to college dramas well so yes because you're not a pretty person possibly going to college excuse me you're a pretty person doing podcasts with a full-time job if i wanted you're a pretty person doing full-time podcasting thank you ben um but i don't know if this if the trailer gets across enough that this is going to be a boys-esque pastiche or is it actually for that audience it misses the mark by a country mile. Michael, if they if they really change the tone of... Because I think boys, The Boys is one of the best TV shows we have at the minute. I think The Boys consistently shows up and delivers a very interesting superhero experience that is genuinely outside the norm with great performances and decent writing. And the crux of that, or the cornerstone of that, is the almighty piss-taking that mm. it does of the superhero genre. And I think if they take that away in favour of I'm sexy and I've got powers and I'm going to be the first su- female black superhero on the seven. And I, yeah. I, if they turn it into a Georgia Seizes the Day kind of gig, mm. it's completely against the original tone. And it means that she can't join the seven. That's Unless... Unless, like, unless, let's say, let's say that it is sincerely about the struggles of being a black female superhero. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she really does, like, she is the most powerful and the most sincere and the the best of them. And she overcomes her struggles and she joins the Seven and then Homelander kills her on her first day because she looks at him wrong. It could happen. He deafened a blind superhero... Because he was too sincere. Yeah, yeah, he punched Daredevil in the ears. We'll never forget that scene. Where... Horrible, horrible stuff. And that, that, that man was earnest. Daredevil was earnest. So earnest. Uh, and then we got the famous meme now, Ashley, look at 
me. Uh, which is just a, a belter. But come here to me, Michael. What is it? It'll be very hard to marry those two tones. So I don't think that's what we're getting. I think yeah. this trailer is misrepresenting the show we're going to get. I think... Yeah. Go, go on. No, yeah, no, I'm doing this. This is a bit... Oh, I think... Yeah? What we're probably going to get is a very deep look at the sexual harassment, um, shady goings-on of college cover-ups and schools protecting their star athletes and things like that. You know, you know that we see in private schools sometimes, or even here in Ireland, when you hear about someone on the GA county squad doing something heinous, and then everybody being like, oh, he's a good lad. He wouldn't do that. Do you reckon, though? Uh, because I think... I kind of hope that the trailer is misrepresenting the show because I think that that's what a sincere show of that nature would be about it now. Yeah, I suppose. But I, I mean, it's interesting because The Boys definitely deals with those themes and certainly in the second season or the third season? Are we on the third season or the fourth season of The Boys coming up? I don't remember. I think, I think it might the be fourth. the... I think it might be the fourth coming up. But the third season goes in hard on those uh, themes of like sexual harassment and you know dodgy politics to get to the top and stuff like that so it's it i think you might just see that theme expanded on in gen v mm, but that's what i mean that's what it doesn't excite me oh okay you know I, sure i mean i recognize that it's an issue in society today but it like the secret sexual harassment and power dynamics of college i just do not care as long as they don't go the direction of the absolutely horrific boys comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the worst. Because that's all about how Godolkin is a child molester and has just been using his school as a feeder school for himself. Yeah, it's a pedo ring. Gross. Ben. Yeah, gross. Speaking of gross pedo rings, that what's worse? Pedo oh. rings or uh, Dracula? Probably pedo rings. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, what a segue, Michael. That might be your worst segue ever. <laughs> that might be up there with, yeah, wow, with the boys' well, comic. I'm saying they're, they're both Awful. bad. They're both, they're both bad. Terrible. One is clearly worse, and it's, it's the first one that you said. Well, there's no proof that Dracula's not a pedo. There isn't, but... Fucking hell. Uh, Michael, we got a trailer for Castlevania Nocturne. Yeah, go on. I didn't watch it. Castlevania Nocturne, Michael, looks to be all the sexy bits of Castlevania, the first series on Netflix anime. And they just went, what if we make it more kind of gender ambiguous and more erotically charged and just a bit sluttier? What if we do that? Oh, I didn't watch this, Ben. That's what they've done. They've taken the dial and they just pushed it all the way up to 11. Because now it's in oh, France. Yeah. So oh, top the 10 points for that. Country. It's, it's the sexiest country, right? Is that why you're wearing a stripy top today, Ben? That's exactly why, Michael. That's exactly why. In honour of Castlevania Nocturne on Netflix, I've decided to don a, stripe, a horizontally striped pastel blue and white top. You, you look like you've broken out of a 1920s Georgia prison. It's the, it's the prison uniform from Paddington 2. <laughs> He got it on special order in the Disney store. I got it on special order in the Disney store, Michael. But come here to me. 
This what? this really is. You think I'm joking? It's not. They've the, the character designs have become more gender ambiguous than the originals. Oh. Everybody's a bit sexier. There's oh. an awful lot of whispery dialogue going on. There's an oh. awful lot of pensive staring into the distance going on. Oh, so staring. This is set in the French during the French Revolution, Michael. Oh la la. There are rumors of a vampire messiah coming along. It looks to be a Marie Antoinette style vampire. Oh, very uh that's very Castlevania. Yes, who's going to crush the the revolution. Uh, We look to have a a very ethnically diverse cast of characters who are all fighting the revolution. They think they're fighting against the likes of aristocracy in Paris. What they're actually fighting against, Michael, is vampires. Oh, vampires. Good. I thought you were going to say pedo rings. No, no, no. Everybody should be fighting against those, but it doesn't look like that will be the main focus of Castlevania Nocturne, Michael. Very good, Ben. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> now, Michael, this is set sometime after the Castlevania Netflix series, which was phenomenally successful. Yeah, I didn't watch it. Uh, great. Absolutely phenomenal anime series. I'm not a big anime fan myself, Michael, as you know. I was a big Castlevania fan because I used to play all the Game Boy releases of the Castlevania games on my little purple Game Boy Advance when I was oh, but yeah. a wee lad. So I was very involved in that, and that was set around Trevor Belmont and his kind of era. Alucard was in there. Dracula's son, famously, um, and Dracula was the main villain. This is set a few years on, Michael, and as usual, the Belmonts are having a terrible, terrible time. So this is centred around Victor Belmont, who lost his mother to a big, sexy vampire in a purple coat that looks a little bit like Prince. Oh, yeah. Looks a bit like if Prince. He was, uh, if, if he followed the naming logic of the Castlevania series, though, and he was Prince's son, his name would be Ekenip. Ekin, Ekenrp. Echinerp. Uh, so yeah, Echinerp goes, oh, your mum took someone very special for me, so I'm going to kill you anytime I want. But it's all sexy and whispery and close up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very sexy yeah. and French. Um, and, and French. It looks to be attempting Michael, well, it's got an American voice actor, but you'll find that they're all speaking French or of, or some okay, such. Yeah. You know, well, the same the same way that everybody in, in the original Castlevania was speaking Wallachian. Wallachian? 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 I'm not sure. If any, if any experts in... Uh, Romania and Transylvania could uh, get in touch with us, please, and tell us, is it Wallachian or Wallachian? That'd be great. Mm. Um, but come here to me. Come here to me. What is it? What is they it? look to have moved the magic system on a little bit as well. Oh. Yeah. So originally, Michael, the the trio of main characters in the original Castlevania series are Trevor Belmont, Alucard, and... Oh, her name is going to escape me now. Maria? It's not Maria... Cypher. Cypher is her name. Her name is Cypher. Um, or Cipher? Cipher? Cypher? It's one of those. I cannot remember exactly. Cypher is the magic. Trevor is the, the muscle. And Alucard is the vampire Swifty expert. Wait, okay, go on. And they broke it up like that. But apparently now the Belmonts have all got a bit of magic in them. Because, oh, yeah. because of course, as you'll remember, Cypher and Trevor Belmont end up being quite the item in the Castlevania series. Oh, I don't series. remember any of this, Ben. Is this from the show? Because I haven't seen it. I've this said is that from the twice. show. Yeah, this is from the show, Michael. So obviously that genealogy has continued. And because we're a couple of decades, possibly generations later, maybe the Belmonts have got a little bit of uh, magic going on. So they seem to have the elemental powers of Cypher in the thing. Oh, but a lot of them do. Very exciting. Yeah. Benjamin. Yeah. Speaking of the elemental powers of the gods. Go on. The Loki season two trailer goes out of its way to remind us that he is supposed to be a god and a frost giant. Yeah, it was probably about time they did that really, Michael, isn't it? Yeah, he's not just a sexy Englishman. 
Michael, do you think somewhere in Los Angeles, um, <laughs> they all sat down around a table and they go, do you remember when people liked our Marvel movies? What did we do? What was that? Was that when was that when we actually treated the gods of Asgard like gods? Was that what that was? Was that part of it? What if or we just was it? <laughs> what was it? Was it Tom Hiddleston specifically? I think it probably was. But I tell you what, we'll double down, double bluff, and we'll get Tom Hiddleston in, but we'll make him a big god again. Yay! Yeah. Now, Michael, we got a trailer for Loki season two, as you said, and I have to say. I'm what? kind of into it. It's definitely the best trailer that they've done in a while. But I do not hold up any high hopes for this, Ben. Because every of the, one of the Marvel series has had at least one okay trailer. That's true. The, have and there been any Marvel series at this point that we like? None that have stood the test of time as strong. Yeah. Some of them had high points. Yeah. And some of them are okay overall. Yeah. Like WandaVision had high points, but kind of let itself down with its sec- its back end. Um, it's because they just went back to the Marvel formula. Yeah. Um, Hawkeye was kind of all right overall. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. No. Um, Moon Knight had a couple of good episodes and a couple of absolutely dire ones. Some dingers. Mm. Yeah, some real hummy G's. Um I can't... What other shows have there been? No, basically. None of them that are out-and-out hits. It's not good when you can't remember them. No. Loki Mm. season one was... It was grand. It was just Doctor Who for Marvel. Yeah, Doctor Marvel. Doctor Marvel. Uh, But come here to me, this looks to be Doctor Marvel too, but now they've made a smart decision and they've they've given us more Owen Wilson. Yeah. Uh, And that... Michael, that's all I ever wanted. Just give me more Owen Wilson. That's what I I thought he died. Did he? Didn't he? Did no, he, he get deleted? No, did no. Did he get undeleted? No, he didn't. But when they got deleted, Michael, they didn't go anywhere except to the, the nowhere place. Do you remember? Oh, they just went to that nowhere place and they just went and got him back. Yeah, they just went and got him back, Michael. Mm. Just went and got him back. But come here to me. All our favourites are there. There's bloody Loki. There's sexy lady Loki. There's bloody Agent 31. I can't remember her name. No. She's there. Uh, Bloody Owen Wilson, also known as Mobius. Mobius Strip, yeah, he's there. Mobius Strip, he's there. Bloody, we've got some new characters. Oh, how exciting. Everybody's favourite Oscar winner. We... (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Now, I have to say, Ben, I sat down before this week's podcast and said, what's Ben going to do? How is he going to handle not knowing this actor's name this week? Is he going to call him Short Round? Is he going to call him the man who was in um, Everything Everywhere All at Once? Or is he going to have learned his name? No. And what you've done is you've gone with none of them. You've just stalled out. Yeah. I'm doing that more now as I get older. (laughs) I'm just like, "Mm, fuck. So I've I think it's my wheels wisdom. There. I think it's I've wisdom. Spun, it is, Ben. They, they say it comes with age. I've spun <laughs> my wheels there to let you look him up and, and learn his name online. Sadly, I didn't I was, do that, Michael, because as I said, I, I, <laughs> I shorted out, Michael. So I'm afraid yeah. it's game over. We're just going to call it here, ladies and gentlemen. Big old bigot. <laughs> it's Kihui Kwan, but I, I could I could be pronouncing that horribly wrong, and I really apologise. Well, it's um, the effort, isn't it? It's the effort that counts. Well, I very rarely make an effort, Michael, on anything to do with this podcast. But anyway. You are a nice uh, jumper. 
Kiwi Kwan for a sexy Castlevania bit. Um, All right, great. Jonathan Majors is back. Why is he there dressed as Nikola Tesla? What was that about? He's back and he's got a funky 20s haircut. He had finished that before the accusations had surfaced, Michael. So uh, Loki had wrapped filming by the time those accusations had surfaced. So it's not surprising to see him there. It's maybe surprising to see him not cut out. Yeah. And reshot. Well, maybe not. I don't think it's even not surprising to see him not cut out because he's probably in it substantially. But surprising that they banged him in the trailer. Oh, he's right there. Yeah, yeah. Almost uh, almost a statement of support in some ways. Some would say that. I don't know if yeah. everyone would say that, but I would certainly yeah, look yeah. at it as a, oh, he'll, he'll get off. We, we think yeah. he's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, not necessarily he'll get off, but more maybe we support him. Yeah, I don't know. It was an interesting choice. I, I Look, I think more and more, Michael, we're seeing the... The, the majestic red carpet of the flawless star being ripped away, especially when it comes to our male leads. Male leads just keep fucking it up. Or non-binary leads, in some cases. We had Ezra mm. Miller on The Flash. We had Jonathan Majors, who had just really peaked in his career with Kang the Conqueror and Ant-Man. He was the best thing about Ant-Man 2. Ant-Man 3. Yeah. Ant-Man 5? Ant-Man 7 there weren't a lot of good things about Ant-Man 2 though I mean yeah it's Jonathan Majors it's, it's surprising it is surprising to see him in the trailer uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a, a direct support of him but maybe Disney is a little bit more supporting of its stars facing accusations rather than you know proven convictions <laughs> proven convictions for wrongdoing yeah um, so, <laughs> DC I mean <laughs> it, it, you could almost argue that it's it's not really a political statement to support your actors until it's proven that they've done something wrong. I suppose and it's really not. Go, and then go, oh no, he's a bad egg, bad egg get rid of him. Mm, I feel like that directly contravenes current internet culture. It very much does. It very yeah. much does. You only need to look at Justin Roiland, who has essentially been proven, as far as the law is concerned, proven completely innocent, but completely lambasted by the internet. And... His studios. Yep. Not on this we'll podcast, Michael. Fuck him. <laughs> Not on this well, podcast. Luckily, Ben, luckily we um, have no decision-making power over Justin Roiland's life. Not a drop. Not, Not a, a drop. Not a single ounce set. Unless, ladies and gentlemen, you give it to us. Uh, yeah, give yeah, us a unless. review or a like wherever you listen. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Send us some money on Patreon so Ben can start a Justin Roiland legal defence fund. Benjamin, <laughs> or speaking the of... What's the opposite? No, hang on, hang on, hang on. There's more to be said here about... Oh, you've got more to say about Loki. Loki season okay, two. Looks like they've learned a few lessons from season one. Number one, we're big fans of the magic moments of Loki. Like you said, making him a god again is an important choice because he really wasn't in season one. He was slick with a knife and yeah. he had a little bit of worldly knowledge and he was he was a bit slippery. Yeah. Snake, mm. snake, but he wasn't necessarily the god that we've come to know. He was certainly no. a depowered Loki. Yeah, I mean, literally, that was the whole point. It's like, oh, your powers don't work here. Oh, your powers don't work on me. Oh, these sticks work on you. Oh, everything is against you. But I think the fact that he's time slipping now is going to make him some kind of weird anomaly and give him a little bit of a shimmy shammy back or some such mm. but they've learned a little bit of that it looks like we're going to get more adventures in time which is kind of what we wanted from the first one I think and that's what I thought yep 
get as much as we maybe thought we were going to. That's what I thought we were going to get in season one, but we yeah. didn't. And we no, really, really wanted didn't. that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think we're probably going to get a bit more of that. As I said, they've upped the Owen Wilson, which I can only applaud. Mm-hmm. Give me more own. Unless he turns out to be a bad egg, Ben, and then in which case he'll be... Uh... Then I'll have to lambaste him. I'll have to add him to the dartboard wall. <laughs> add him to the Patreon. Add him to the Patreon. The Anti-Legal Defence Fund. Mm. Sorry, the fund. Anti-Defence Legal Fund. There we go. Mm. I got it eventually. But, Michael, what? one of the things that I really liked about this trailer is it has a visual identity. It's Loki. One of the things, it's not necessarily that, but it's it's the brass, copper, green tones, the pastel kind of retro tones that we saw established in season one. They have been amped up to 11, Michael. And the point where I noticed that in this one is the key lime pie that Owen Wilson is eating. It's the yeah. same shade of green as the rest of the office. And I was like, that's commitment. That is a visual identity for your show. Good work. Because if there's one thing that we can say that the Marvel shows are lacking in it's any kind of visual flair they're so bland Michael again except those first couple of episodes of um, I don't know what that means what are you doing See, I was giving you I was giving you a little in for Secret Invasion there yeah yeah okay except for those first couple of episodes of WandaVision which were great yeah and they had a fabulous visual identity and Ben yeah except for but not except exactly the entirety <laughs> of the tremendous waste of money and manpower that was Secret Invasion. So the big question for Secret Invasion, Benjamin Colopy, I'm asking you this personally. Mm. Where in the hell did all that money go? Because this thing cost 212 bazillion dollars. 212 million quid. 212 million American United States dollars. Six episodes. Six episodes, many of which were 28 to 35 minutes. Nothing in the modern TV landscape. (laughs) Where did that money go? They weren't six episodes set on distant planets. No. Or in fantastical spaceships or in fantasy worlds they weren't CGI armies marching across landscapes to battle each other there were where did that money go they just pissed it away Michael I mean was it Samuel L. Jackson apparently Samuel L. Jackson got 10 million that's not a lot it's not it's it's, it's a fucking lot it's a fuck ton of money Absolute shitload of money for essentially a couple of weeks' work. But I mean, Marvel, it's, I'll it's do it for one million. Of money. Ben will do it for one million. I'll it'll do it for be, one million. Be so racist, you will get shut down. I'll do but my own shape shifting. <laughs> I literally break my bones and fit them into a shape that pleases you. Oh, I don't know how to do that for a million. But Ben, there, yes. there must have been a tremendous waste of money behind the scenes on this because. It has no visual identity. None. It looks, it looks like a slightly better Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There's, like, the very few big CGI scenes in it. There's a couple of action scenes of, like, men firing CGI guns on country roads. Not a requiring a $212 million budget. 
I mean, I don't know. I genuinely don't know where all that money went. It's absolutely incredible. I'd say the cast probably cost $25 million. Yeah. Which, okay. you know, that's obscene. Yeah. But the six episodes of this cost as much as a blockbuster movie. Yeah. And nowhere and imagine, near the delivery. No. Imagine if you had a blockbuster movie which was mostly people talking, including having a large part of its set in an abandoned nuclear power plant that was just basically any abandoned industrial unit. But that's that's the same set they've used for Captain America and the Winter Soldier. It's the same set they've used for any of the the darker kind of spy, spy noir kind of things. Like there's nothing new in that material. Do you know what I mean? Ben. Ben, I was watching this going. This was 212 million. I reckon I could recreate half of this on my fucking iPhone. I think you can do this now using Midjourney and some no, animation software. That. I don't even mean that. I mean, a lot of it is just two people talking in a room. Yeah, it, we could have shot this ourselves. We did at one point pitch this. <laughs> yeah, we were going to do insane. a Moonlight fan film. And yes, we were. It required about as much blocking and script writing as what we've seen in this show. Incredible. Incredible. Now, aside from the where did the money go and this having no visual identity and no visual flair, the other thing is, the whole thing, and this is going to be an unusually negative rant because this was rubbish, the whole thing was a shape-shifting, paranoid spy thriller without any paranoia, any spying, or any thrillers. Yeah, they just, they went, this is a good idea, isn't it? Let's not do it. Let's not do it. Like, it's so easy to do a paranoid spy thriller when the baddies are shapeshifters. In fact, what the worry could be and what should have been the big problem with this was if you reveal too many people are scrolls, it loses its impact. Yeah. Like, oh, another one of his friends is a scroll. Spoilers just from this point on because we're... No, I mean, there's no I wouldn't spoilers go watch for this. It. It's so bloody. There's nothing to spoil. Yeah, this I is suppose. what I'm saying. There's nothing to spoil in this because there are no twists. Even the twist of the final episode isn't a twist, it's dumbassery. But they're just basic day one screenwriting mistakes. Like, yeah. you can't have a paranoid spy thriller if we always know exactly what every character knows and what they're up to. Yep. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's like it's like a spy thriller with any of the paranoia or mystery taken out of it. What's most annoying with this, Michael, is this is the original spy formula. This is what spy movies were based on back when they were being made first, before you had any kind of gadget or anything like that, the classic noir films that featured spycraft and stuff like that were a perfect template for this series. Yeah, yeah. Mission Impossible 1. Mission Impossible 1, even if you wanted to go a bit more modern. Yeah, fabulous template for this series. Like, maybe a reveal midway through that a couple of people are working against them, and then a big twist reveal of someone who we never expected was a scroll at the end. But, Michael, the magnificent mask moves of Mission Impossible 1 are so easy to replicate here. If anything, easier. 
if anything, easier. Like, it wouldn't be much like the Secret Invasion comics, because Secret Invasion comic, the big thing was the Skrulls can recreate everyone's powers. Yeah. And for that to make sense, that would have had to be the next Avengers movie. Yeah, but it it also would have had to have... So this is interesting... Marvel a budget still, of about two hundred and twelve million, <laughs> but this is interesting. Marvel still hasn't coordinated its universe correctly. Well, so it did Ben? What I mean by that? No, it didn't. What no, I mean by ben. that is, Ben, do you remember Endgame? Yeah, no, get out of here. That's not even close to what I'm talking about. The heroes here are not best pals the way they are in the comics. In the comics, there are strong allegiances drawn between certain heroes. Uh, they are best friends, and the the shock value, Michael of that of Secret Invasion in the comics was oh my god this person we've been friends with for years yeah is a scroll this person yeah, yeah. that I that, that I have been in love with is a scroll and yeah, that yeah. was earth shattering here it's just like oh no Rhodey's a scroll oh Rhodey's been a scroll for a little while for a little while not even that long really and the real Rhodey's still alive and then, yeah, and that's the other thing. So in the comics, they were kept off planet in a weird hive world. There was a whole uh, Avengers kind of mission to rescue those that had been pod personed. Yeah. But Ben, that's a weakness of the comic. They should have been on. dead. They, they should have been, been dead. Oh, yeah. Oh, if, yeah. Get rid if, of them. If you were just doing this as a standalone story, then anyone coming back after that reduces the effect of it. Well, so here's here's one of the annoying things here, Michael, is there's there are no stakes in this series because I, I have now watched some of it and I've watched the final episode um, oh, yeah. in anticipation of this because I was quite interested because I followed it quite closely from a, a review point of view. Yeah, without watching it. Without watching it because I don't have that kind of time, Michael. Who, <laughs> Who has, has that, that kind of time? time? We have to watch season four of Fringe. We have to watch season four of Fringe, Michael. When is it going to be released? Release Fringe! Um, come here to me. What? The decisions they make on stakes here are bizarre. So Talos yeah, has Talos. Talos, sorry, has kicked the bucket. It wasn't always yeah. Talos. It definitely wasn't. It was Talos in one <laughs> yeah, of the films. I know, yeah. I, know. I that's guarantee true. That's one of my favourite things. Um, number two, Maria Hill is gone. Yeah. In the most throwaway death scenes I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, and Maria Hill's dead. They're supposed to carry all this weight. Maria Hill, who has been with us since the first Avengers movie, and Nick uh, Nick Fury is just like, oh, I have to go now. Uh, yeah. Oh, dead. oh, that's oh, terrible. That's oh, yeah. I have to go. Um, I think I, I've been reading about this in the. I think that was a golden parachute for Kobe Smolders. Ah, I think she got like quite a nice little payday. I would imagine she did. Her, I would hope she did. Half an episode worth of screen time. I would hope she did. Yeah. She got four million, I think. Did Ben Mendelsohn get a, a nice out? Well, Mendo wasn't in that many th- things. That's years. the thing that interests me. I like, You know, okay, Talos really hadn't earned anything other than a Captain Marvel movie and a cameo in Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. 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 Not much. yeah. And then... I just, it was just very unearned, Michael. Like, I think they thought they were doing stuff. And, like, I watched the entire scene in the hospital with Rhodey, Scroll, and what a contrived stakes there, Michael. So, Redonkulous. the one thing that we know about Scrolls is when they're dead, they revert yeah. to the Scroll form. Yeah. So, Nick Fury 
does this bizarre bit with the President of the United States where he says, you have to shoot him, sir. Because otherwise, we'll be committing treason and we can't do that. Or, or, Olivia Colson's character has two guns pointed at vital organs. One of them being the brain. Yeah. One of the most vital. One of the most vital. And they still go, well, you have to do it, sir. No, you don't. Just shoot him. And then when he reverts to a scroll, you can go, see? See? (laughs) I told you. Told you it wasn't him. But Ben, that's indicative of everything wrong with the series. If there were millions of scrolls, why are they why did they come up with that dumbass plan? They managed to casually replace the Prime Minister of the UK. Casually. But then the closest they could get to the US government was Rody. Like surely if it was that easy to get to the UK, they could have got loads of people into the US government, not just Rody. To the point where they didn't even need the president or, you know, they could have manipulated so it didn't come down to two people trying to convince him in a hotel room. When when Nick Fury, Ben, he's in the hotel in England, the hotel, he's in the hospital in England and the president is in the recovery room. Yeah. And Nick Fury pulls up a chair and he does the Riker manoeuvre and he sits on the chair backwards with a gun in his hand, as though he's the last line of defence for the president. There would be literally hundreds of Secret Service agents there. Armed police, UK police, Interpol. Can you imagine that Nick Fury just pulls up a a chair and goes, nobody's getting past me, Nick Fury. But that's another thing about this entire film. They've nerfed Nick Fury. Yeah, he was useless. He's useless. He does nothing. Oh, just dreadful. It was just dreadful. Written is a very kind thing to say about this. It was certainly written down because someone had to have written it down for someone to then read it out. Yeah. But I don't think this should have had a credit for written by. I mean, Chachi, Midjourney did the title sequence. ChatGPT did the script. Unbelievably bad. But, it really but- was. Michael, here's the thing. Like the whole tagline of this was, "This is my war." Yeah, this is my. No, it's not. Apparently, it's Emilia Clarke's war, or Gravik's war, or pick one of the other scrolls that doesn't yeah. really have a good enough reason to bear a grudge against humanity. Gravik's argument here is terrible. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to take over humanity because they were terrible to me. No, they weren't. Nick Fury used you a bit. Fair. Calm yourself down. But I don't know if that's the entire human race that needs to be punished, Graphic. I know, and they played it almost like, now this could be this could be my own prejudice seeping out, but at least I'm addressing it. But they played it like he had been maybe radicalised. But he seems to have been radicalised by himself. So in other words, he went down a YouTube hole. Yeah. <laughs> he, clicked on a, he, again, cl- he clicked on a Jordan Peterson destroys feminists. Thing. Yeah, like, but well, it you wasn't. know, it's, it was, it's the humans. The human race is is there. There are some buckos, you know. <laughs> that sounds like if Jordan Peterson was a muppet. Yep, you I'm have to replace them. Replace them all. <laughs> anyway, Ben, replace them all. That's a good idea. Get yep. rid of everyone who's currently in Marvel. Start again. Start again. Anyway, oh, oh the, the last last point. They've just okay, given up on CGI, have they? No, that was gas. Did you see Amelia <laughs> Clark's little baby Drax arm, Ben? What One of the that? best all-time scenes in in cinema and television history was Amelia Clark flexing her little Drax arm. 
But the weirdest part about that, Michael, is Drax isn't one of the strongest characters in the Marvel Universe. No, that isn't even the weirdest part, Ben. There's, it, it, it's just beyond reason. Like, does, is Drax's tattoo genetic? Apparently. Apparently it is. Like, why did she choose a Drax arm, not a Hulk arm or a Thor arm? But also, then you step back and go, why did Nicholas Fury put them all into one vial? But then you also think, what was Nicholas Fury's plan? Like, give them both superpowers and just hope Gaia would beat Gravik? What if Gravik had won that fight? Then you're fucked. Why did Gaia win that fight? Gravik had much more experience using multiple powers. Yeah. Like... What was Nick? Where was Nick Fury going at the end? Is he going back to the Saber Station to do what? To do Captain Marvel two? Ah, fuck off! <laughs> him and his Dread, him and his wife, and now yeah, with after, his wife, he's bringing after his wife so in, yeah. many years of marriage, now she's like, actually, I would prefer to use my natural form. And he's like, yeah. you're right. I've been very poor to you. Yeah. I've I've treated yeah. you very poorly. What a shithead! What a fucking show! I think uh, basically every man who's been in a long term relationship has had that moment, Ben, where the wife reveals that she's going to stop wearing makeup. Like, oh no! Is this what you really look like? <laughs> That's going to get misogyny there for you. For your, uh, yeah, for a bit of misogyny there. Just to, speaking of misogyny, yes, go on. Well, we've had an interesting week, haven't we? Oh, fucking fabulous week, Ben. Um, so we 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 do reels here, ladies and gentlemen, on our Instagram, on our TikTok, and on our YouTube. You can go check them out now. You can give them a follow. They're down below in the description, or give us a review somewhere. And, uh, yeah, we, we put up one this week, Michael, a very casual uh, reel, talking about how strange it was that there were so many toddlers in the cinema. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. when I say kids, I mean eight years and younger. There was a significant contingent of kids in the thing. I happened to mention, Michael, that it would be a very scarring movie if one of the concepts were to land home. And we turned that into a funny little reel. A funny little reel. A funny little reel. About a minute long. Michael, yeah. that stands at 110k views. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've really poked the bear, Ben. 110k views, 294 comments? Yeah, the internet's coming for you. But it isn't. It's coming for itself. I don't have to touch <laughs> yeah. it anymore. It's, it's gas. This has become a fascinating thing. So, what's happened here, Michael? And it bear, it, it, it's worth commenting on. There are three camps that have engaged with this. There are okay. those that perhaps have a little bit of a, a, a media literate background who are going, oh. yes, they are quite deep themes. It was quite funny to see young children in the cinema who probably shouldn't be exposed to the concept of death being a constant factor in life. Now, Ben, I assume the fact that you've used your normal voice for that camp means that's the camp that you most agree with and you're going to absolutely ridicule the other two opposing camps with humorous voices. I've gotten you now, Michael. I'm going to ridicule <laughs> them all. Um, so the other camp is, yeah. uh, oh, don't underestimate kids. <laughs> there we go. There's that voice. And there's an army of people being like, yeah, kids aren't stupid. I knew about death when I was five years old. And I, yeah. was like, I actually what? died when I was five. So I died when I was five and I was grand. So but I it was that, it, they, they, those comments came across so much so as, uh, as a really classic example of that lad down the pub who's like, I've slept with loads of girls. Yeah, yeah. Loads of girls. I've actually, like, died twice. I died once when I was five, and I was grand. It didn't even bother me. And then when I died when I was seven, I was prepared for it. 
Ben just dropped his mic. <laughs> just in dropped my mic. In in Ben's efforts to ridicule listeners, he just <laughs> dropped his mic in excitement. Like finally a chance to lay into the listeners. Ugh. Yeah, um, and then the and third camp, Michael, were people that didn't watch the reel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Ben. But that's the thing: the vast majority of the internet don't watch the things they're commenting on, and they have an argument with themselves. About what they think it's about. They went straight to the comments, obviously, when they were watching it. And they were like, yeah. oh, so typical of men to, to bash it as a feminist film. We didn't mention a single thing nope. about it, about feminism as a topic. I said it was a bit weird that six-year-olds were being taught about death as a constant. Well, that's a classic man not understanding <laughs> his role in the patriarchy, Ben. But I, I, but I found it so interesting. And then they just started eating themselves. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's like rats in a barrel. More content for us. Feed the content machine. It's so easy, Michael. So easy. And all we had to do was watch. It was bizarre. (laughs) Gas. Um, But that's the thing, Ben. Barbie is, whether people... And this statement is not above the issue we're about to discuss, but Barbie is a political film. Yeah. It is a film with a message. Yeah. What your opinion is on that message, what your take on that message, is where you're going to fall in the argument. Yeah. And it is sometimes, I would say, the people who are absolutely convinced that their take on it is the right one who are the most wrong. Because, like any political, like any opinion, there are nuances. But it it is the nature of a film which has a message, and you can't say that this film doesn't have a message, that yeah. it will be divisive. But here's the interesting thing, Michael. I went out of my way to choose a clip that neither fell on the side of, oh, it's, it's a man-bashing hate film, and also on the side of, you know, it's it's such an important feminist text and primer. I avoided that because I was like, I don't really want a cesspit of a comment section. And it came out anyway. That's interesting. I don't think your two points are opposed there, but that's neither here nor there. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. But you see what I mean? But 90% of the people... I think the two opposing points are actually, oh, it's a man-bashing hate film, and the opposite is, like, finally a film telling the truth about the patriarchy. But anyway... Oh, okay, well, it doesn't matter what way you choose it. I intentionally went out of my way to try and choose something that didn't stoke that, because I didn't want to be perceived as someone who was trying to capitalise on divisiveness but it didn't matter it found the comment section anyway yeah, found it anyway it's great it's our it's second most, most successful real video content ever yeah it's the most engagement we've had in ages so we're just going to do we're just going to do clickbait argument baiting oh. divisive topics from now on the worst part is Michael it's kind of grown on me as a film since then um, oh, yeah. like even since my original review I've kind of come to enjoy it more brilliant, brilliant. for what yeah, it is so since we're only going to be focusing on like argument baiting topics from now on, do you think women should stop wearing makeup after they get in relationships? Only if they're a scrub. <laughs> I didn't know what you were going to say. I thought you were going to say a scrub. Only if they're a scrub. Uh, no, no, Michael, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bow out gracefully from that one. Are we, are we at time? Are we at max time? No, no, no. I'm not telling you to wrap oh, it we've up. We've got I'm a bit of time. To... We've got a bit of time. Go. Lovely. So anyway, we've let's take like a look at the minutes. success of this, Michael. Because love it or hate yeah. it, god damn, this has been a bonkers, a bonkers weekend. Barbenheimer's mm. two hundred and forty-six million dollar opening weekend extravaganza. You could get yourself one absolutely bottom tier Marvel TV show for that and spare which is fucking insane fucking insane 
fucking insane. Um, so the Barbenheimer is Barbie and Oppenheimer's combined figures. So that's yeah. two massive blockbuster movies that were only slightly more profitable <laughs> than yeah. the budget of a shit Marvel film Absolute or a TV series. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it's one of the biggest weekends going. Um, Oppenheimer is doing very, very well with one demographic. Barbie is doing very, very well with another demographic. And Barbie is benefiting massively from a backlash that it is receiving from very insecure men who are going to watch the film and going... Um, oh, there's the voice again. They're making a lot... Oh, it's, it's going to come out a few times. Once it's out of the box, Michael, it's game over. <laughs> it's game over. I think my next D&D character is going to be that loud lad down the pub. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, I died when I was seven. Uh, I'll, I'll hit that lich, no problem. I've, I've hit loads of liches. I've, I've, no, I actually went out. I went out with a lich, actually. I went out, I went out with a lich for ages. Yeah, Wrecked yeah. my no, head. She's gone back to Canada, though. Wrecked my head. Yeah, yeah, no, I just, I just said it wasn't for me, you know. Just, just, I'm a bit of a lone wolf, you know. You know. Dire wolf. I'm the, a lone dire wolf. Yeah, actually. like Jon Snow in, 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 except I'm, I'm actually not, more like Aragorn. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually not a simp like Jon Snow, so, you know. Yeah. yeah I like these characters. Like I think we should do more I'm podcasts. Like, I'm more <laughs> like if Aragorn was like, more like Legolas, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm like, if, if Aragorn had a baby with Legolas. Not gay, like, not gay, like, no, but like, no, no, no. just, just, you know, just like if there was like a magic, if Sauron did a magic, you know? Yeah, if I was gay, though, I'd, I'd, I'd fuck anyone, like, <laughs> Legolas or anything. <laughs> I've, I've, I've actually had loads of sex. Yeah, yeah, loads of men. I mean, this is this is a fun bit, isn't it, ladies? And gentlemen? <laughs> no, this is great. <laughs> we've only got like fifteen minutes for the main topic. Um, but come here to me. On this bullshit. Come here to me. That yes. got us thinking, Michael. That there, there have to have been other examples where this happened, where you got an obscenely dark, gritty, realistic film, right? What paired with what can only be described as kind of a cinema extravaganza. Go on, all right. By which I mean Barbie and Oppenheimer are polar opposites on the aesthetic spectrum, at the very least. Yes. Um, so, you know, pink Barbie land vibes for Barbie, grim, gritty, dark, weight of history stuff for Oppenheimer. Mm. And it got us thinking, Michael. We said to ourselves, we said, has this happened before? Have we had Barbenheimers before? And Michael, I reveal to you that in fact, yes, of course we have. You know what, though, Ben, before we go, go any further, you know what this is definitely going to show? Go on. Hollywood has never, never learned a lesson that it shouldn't have learned. And we're going to spend the next five years trying to recreate this. Oh, yeah. I mean, Polly Pocket with Lily Collins and Lena Dunham, that wasn't a bit. That's been lit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's going to be paired up with flipping Chernobyl. Yep. The dramatic retelling. But... The funny thing about it is, I've forgotten what the funny thing that I wanted to say was. Um, it's No, what's funny is, it's a pretty recent invention, this idea of blockbusters avoiding each other. The double hitter? No, but, okay, so this is a double header. And you know the kind of funny backstory of why this is a double header? No, go on. Is that Warner Brothers were trying to stick it to Christopher Nolan. Oh. Because Warner Brothers and Christopher Nolan had a fallout over the the payment for Tenet and oh. streaming. Tenet, And they said, Tenet. And they said to him, they said to him, send this letter to Christopher Nolan, apartment 10A, France. Nice. And that's a throwback to a joke from five years ago. And, um, or take, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Christopher Nolan said, no, 
well, if you're not going to give me the proper money, I'm not going to make films for you anymore. And they said, well, fine. You want to do your nuclear bomb film? We're going to nuclear bomb your film by releasing Barbie on the same day. Simultaneously, great news for Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, who got a massive injection of cash to make that happen for their marketing budget. Because I tell you what, without the spite of the Warner Brothers executives wouldn't be the successful film that it is <laughs> exactly but also they've made Oppenheimer much more successful because oh, yeah. that should have been a 50 million dollar indie movie yep that's essentially what it is I haven't seen it yet I must go see it I must go see it but it's gonna absolutely make hundreds of millions uh, yeah and um, they'll probably make about three Marvel movies out of that hundreds of millions <laughs> <laughs> yeah complete waste but complete waste. what I'm saying is the concept of we have to like avoid competition and we have to really clear out a couple of weeks around this big movie. Yeah. Is relatively recent. Yeah. As you're going to talk us through with some examples. Well, Michael, there's, there's been a few examples, but what I wanted to focus on primarily was bright and shiny versus dark and gritty. Yes, go on. Because I think that's the secret sauce that makes this kind of a fun experience. So, okay. In one sense, one of the earliest examples of this, Michael, was in 1982, but it was kind of a mistake. So we got Star Trek II and Poltergeist the weekend of June 4th, 1982. The 4th of June. 4th of June. Red, white and blue. You're one month shy of that being accurate, but yes. Yes. Come here to me. Completely different genres, completely different tones, completely different subject matter. Star Trek 2 had some of the original cast, I believe, of the Star Trek um, franchise, didn't it? All of them. Had all of them. Uh, Michael, colourful, hopeful, optimistic, space socialism, great stuff all around. Poltergeist, don't leave your kids alone in a big scary house. Don't leave them alone in the big scary house. But even if you haven't left them alone, you're still going to get in trouble. Star Trek 2 is Wrath of Khan. Is it Wrath of Khan? Yeah, it's Wrath of Khan. And it is not that hopeful. Star Trek 2 is probably the grimmest and grittiest of the Star Trek films. God damn. Well, scratch that one off the list, Michael. And chuck and that into the bin. I, I'm, no, this is interesting because I, I suspect you haven't seen either of these films. I haven't. <laughs> Star Trek 2 The Wrath of Khan is the grimmest and grittiest of the Star Trek films and Poltergeist despite being lumped in with the haunted film subgenre is the most Spielbergian of that era of horror films Poltergeist is not The Exorcist okay it's not Halloween it's not Friday the 13th I would argue even that there are scenes in Star Trek 2 which are scarier than Poltergeist well, Michael, having had my face rubbed in my own piss like a dog who's gone <laughs> the wrong way, I'm going to jump onto a film where I've seen both of the films. Oh, very good on idea. The list. But no, that's but that's great. That's a really interesting. <laughs> no, it's a good Who example. Won? It's a good example. Star Trek won the domestic box office, but Poltergeist made more worldwide. Now, by domestic box office, Michael, we mean the American box office. You mean the American box office? If I say domestic box office, I mean Ireland. Okay, it, well, I meant I meant the American box office when I said Ugh, domestic gross. box office. Yeah, um, we also got another example of that in Ghostbusters versus Gremlins, which is another kind of twist one because you think those are both horror movies, but Gremlins is an absolute scar fest, trauma fest of a film, <laughs> um, and Ghostbusters is actually relatively light hearted. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I- 
I'd put them very close to each other tonally. Uh, give or take. I think gremlins I mean, are more terrifying. But yeah, gremlins are more terrifying. Gremlins is also a fantastic example of um, what you were talking about with Barbie, of being one of the most weirdly rated movies of all time. I think it was rated PG yeah. or maybe even Universal. And Gremlins was largely... No? No, it was. No, I'm just saying was. horrific choice. Um, but it was lar- It was very influential in um, updating the rating system in American cinema in the 80s because they couldn't figure a rating to put it in because it was obviously a kid's light-hearted Christmas time comedy but also a horrible murder fest where old men get run over by combine harvesters or snowplows. Yeah. Mm. Gross. Who won? No good. Uh, in that particular case, Ghostbusters was the second highest grossing film of the year in 1984 and the Gremlins took fourth place. Oh. So two massive successes. Two massive successes, Michael, of practical effects and spooky shenanigans in the 80s. And uh, Phoebe Cates. And Phoebe Cates. Uh, now, Michael, here's the first proper kind of Barbenheimer-style one, I think, that we could possibly say. Batman 1989 with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Same weekend, June 23rd, 1989. Benjamin, can I tell you a secret? Yes. I remember this. <laughs> this, is the first one. this is the first one I remember. Good. Did you see them both in the cinema the same weekend? I absolutely did not, Ben. Okay. I don't think I even saw these two in the cinema. I was seven in 1989, and I lived in a working-class suburb in Dublin. We were not going to the cinema twice per week. In one weekend. Maybe once a year, no. if you were lucky. Yeah, um, twice a year, if it was Christmas. So If it was a year with Christmas. This one is quite interesting, um, because Batman 1989 is a dark, dark, dark film. Tonally, aesthetically, thematically. The Joker's rampage in that film his method of execution his end sequence everything about the joker in 1989's batman is harrowing he's he's a very twisted cinematic creation um Mm. and i think probably a huge departure point from the character who had been struggling to find his place both in the comics and in uh, pop culture in general B- before we had Jack Nicholson's Joker the closest we'd gotten to a live action version was Cesar Romero and the 1960s version what do you mean the closest we'd gotten it, it is a live action version oh, sorry 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 yeah no absolutely the closest we got to a movie version was the TV show version um, with Cesar Romero and he was played mostly for yucks um, yuck, 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 yuck. But he had a moustache. He did. The character in the comics took a very long time to find his darker tone. Um, mm. He, he throughout the 1960s, had flopped as a villain for Batman. He had been big in the 50s, dropped out of relevance in the 60s, came back to the comics mid-70s, and still struggled to find a balance between am I a homicidal maniac or am I kind of a bit of a japester? who occasionally teams up with Batman in a comic if the editor feels like that would be good for issues. Don't we all struggle to find that balance, though, Ben? Don't we all, Michael? Don't we all? But this, Batman 1989, was the kind of guillotine drop for that. And he was then firmly placed as an absolute psychopath serial killer clown from that point on. That was only built on then by Mark Hamill's uh, rendition of the Joker in Batman the Animated Series, which followed on the very next year. Or at the end of that year. I do believe it debuted at the end of that year. 
Mm. Um, but yeah, so that was a big one. And then Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. What a wacky little fest. You can go and listen, ladies and gentlemen, to our entire episode dedicated to a retro review in one of our classic Exhumed episodes right here in the channel. It was great. It was great. It was a great little film. Very lighthearted. Very, very fun. Strong family themes. The overall winner there, Michael, was Batman. Second highest grossing film of the year. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids didn't even place. It ended up being quite successful on the Disney Channel. Oh, really? Yeah, a little bit later, oh. but didn't really place. Yeah. Um, another example, and possibly the closest to Barbenheimer that we might have seen, was The Matrix versus, the Matrix versus 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, what, what are they? Uh, well, um, your ability to make a show of me on a public broadcast, <laughs> um, your constant oh, need to prove that I'm wrong, your yeah. annoying habit of actually proving I'm wrong, um, yeah. your relentless need to hold me to account when I get something wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This oh. is great. This is so true. This is cathartic for the podcast. Your you're quite often infuriating ability to point out that I've done something wrong on the microphone, then only yeah. to find out that I actually have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose, great. Michael, this might be 10 things I hate about me. Um, <laughs> the, way, the way I'm telling it. You're absolutely... What a revelation, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you're... <laughs> What a revelation Ben has just had. This is like fucking therapy. Your absolute ben. commitment to undermining every single international outfit choice I make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben. Yes. Um, here's the thing though, right? Yes. I haven't seen 10 Things I Hate About You, but I did see The Matrix. Who won? Uh, as far as I know... Surely oh, The Matrix. I don't have it there, but I think The Matrix was the highest grossing of all time. Let me grab that. I have it here in front of it me. It wasn't of all time, but it was certainly of that year for oh, sure. Oh, it, it was a big blockbuster. Series, Boy. Is that it, Ben? Do you have any more? No, I've got one There's more there, Michael. I've got one more, okay. which is very important and related to future topics on this very podcast, Michael. Very, yeah. very exciting. Um, Michael, the one that is probably closest in terms of of anything else because it has Christopher Nolan as the director of one oh, of yeah. the films is The Dark Knight versus Mamma Mia July 18th 2008 now Michael I remember this one because I was in yeah. the cinema for this one and very humorously Michael my father and I went to see Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight in View Cinema in Liffey Valley where we have our very own Wednesday Night Cinema Club yes I know it and Michael what my father and I were incredibly excited to watch Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, sequel to Batman no. Begins. Yeah. And as we were watching, the cinema screen lit up and we saw a shimmering blue ocean. And I said, oh, it oh, must yeah. be an ocean sequence. It must be a, it must be a Batman doing something cool. Aquaman. And then, Michael, the dulcet tones of bloody Meryl Streep came across the airway saying, I had a dream... And Michael, She's not in the dark night. And then all of a sudden, the screen did the flickery thing. And there was an announcement from the cinema staff that they'd made a mistake on the reel in the thing. That we were, in fact, in the correct cinema for Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, but they'd loaded the wrong film uh, yeah, into the thing. Was it? <laughs> it was Mamma Mia. <laughs> Fabulous. So I remember this one very, very well. Um, so, Michael... This is probably closest because we have Oppenheimer versus uh, Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia is an absolute popcorn muncher. It's it's a one hundred percent go. Have a good time. Leave. Have a bit of a boogie, as my mum would say, hmm. in the cinema. But at the same time, 
kind of aimed at a similar crowd to Barbie. Oh, I would say so. Women aimed at girls' night out, but not without its themes of, you know, Michael. I would say, yeah. I mean, this is very similar. I would say that Mamma Mia was Gen X's Barbie. Oh, go on. And this Barbie is a millennial Mamma Mia. Oh, very. Is the argument this Barbie? Benjamin, you should make a poster that says this Barbie is a millennial Mamma Mia and not explain that. And just, just do Meryl Streep. Get tens of thousands of comments on the internet. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just let the internet tear itself apart. I'll do that in my sleep, Michael. Do that in my sleep. Ladies and gentlemen, what other examples can you think of? What other double headers do you know from your history of cinema watching and other such shenanigans? Let us know in a few different places. You can find us on the interwebs, www.shomrabyog.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. You can also find us on our ACAST website, ladies and gentlemen, which is SherlockShirlistenPodcast at ACAST.com. You can find that there yeah. now as well. Yeah, we've got our very own website now with ACAST, Michael. I forgot to tell you anything about that, but we'll go through it now in a sec. Uh, oh, very good. You can also find us on Instagram at SherlockShirlistenPodcast. You can. There's literally hundreds of thousands of views. Yeah, you might. You, we can actually fully claim that. We are relatively popular in the micro pop culture video climate. <laughs> Very strange. Very strange. Popularity just, feels so strange after years of I'll nothing. I'll tell you what you should do. You should go on it and just post just a bad take. Just, post just a bad a take fucking on horrible take. Just do us a favour. Create a fake account. <laughs> pop on it. Post a horrible take on something. And just let the shitstorm continue. Actually, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't feel like reviewing us where you listen to your podcast, just make up a fake account and post a shit take. Just post a real shit take on something. And the internet will look after you in the worst yeah, possible way. They will curb stomp <laughs> you. Um, you will get indifference from me, but an absolute unmitigated typhoon of abuse from the internet. Um, oh, or, ladies and gentlemen, you can find us on TikTok at Look to Listen Podcast. Um, TikTok, which is like TikTok, but not quite. Yeah. Um, and then we're also on YouTube up there as well. And that's it. That's I'm done. That now. was that was fucking low energy, wasn't it? That, yeah, that was a bit of a more of a whimper <laughs> than a bang. Energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alright, well, see you next week. Bye now. What are we talking about next week, Ben? Uh, I think we might do an exhumed episode on The Dark Knight, Michael, because it's 15 years old. Oh, very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't talked to you about this, so this is all very new. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. And then in two weeks' time, we'll do our history of the rating system. Oh, yeah. Sexy. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, let's let's continue this uh, podcast production meeting later. (laughs) Later. Goodbye. Right, bye.